0: Welcome to the Political Beatdown. What's up, Brigade? This is Ben Mycellus here with the one and only Michael Cohen. Let me give you just some of the topics we will be talking about on today's Political Beatdown. Special Counsel Jack Smith subpoenaed Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. I want to get Cohen's reaction to that. I want to talk about the MAGA Republican disinformation machine in overdrive in East Palestine. Palestine, Ohio regarding the train derailment there. Steve Bannon was just sued by his former lawyer for hundreds of thousands of dollars in unpaid legal bills. Fox is now platforming this idea that's being spread by the MAGA Republicans of secession and a national divorce. And I want to talk about the Fulton County grand jury person speaking to the media and what is going on there. But as we just started live, there's some breaking news to report. A federal judge has agreed to permit former FBI f- officials, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, to take sworn testimony from former President Donald Trump for two hours as part of their long-running lawsuit related to Strzok's firing in 2018 after Trump repeatedly and publicly pilloried the pair. This, according to Politico, Politico and its U.S. District Court Judge Amy Berman Jackson made that ruling. And for those watching Midas Touch Network consistently, you know that she's been a very staunch ally of democracy and the rule of law and has not been forgiving to Donald Trump's fascism and these insurrectionists at their sentencing and during their trials. But Michael Cohen, welcome. And the first thing I want to ask you is, how are you doing, Cohen? What's up in Cohen world?
1: Boy, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. And in all fairness, we don't want it to stop because if it stops, that means that Alvin Bragg has decided not to proceed forward. Let me be very clear to our brigade that is not what's happening. I am heading back again uh this upcoming week to the district attorney's office and let me just say the following because I don't want to do what the fourth person did. Uh not <laughs> that I could because I am not the fourth person of the grand jury. I will just be testifying eventually before the grand jury. Um let me just say that we are in prep for that date. Um and that preparation date is coming up this week, Uh, then I will find out when I will be uh, presented to the grand jury, which everybody has expected and has already been uh, put out there. Uh, Excited to finally have that opportunity, you know, to provide the information that the 17 previous interviews have finally now culminated in. And again, uh, this is all moving very quickly. I have always said, and you have always heard me say the same thing. I am not changing my tune. I believe that the New York District Attorney's case is the one that is keeping Donald Trump up at night more than any other. Uh, and I also believe that it is the simplest within which to prove because it's based upon documentary evidence as opposed to having to rely upon uh, whether or not Donald Trump had mens rea, whether or not he had the intent. Uh, to cause the illegal action, even though, you know, sometimes there is an illegal act, but if there's no mens rea or intent, it kind of negates out the charge. Not in this case, and I do believe that this is going to be the first, which would also be the first in U.S. history. We have never had a president or former president of the United States indicted. So this is extremely big news. There's a the expression hearing it here. You're hearing it here for the first time with smiling Ben Well,
0: That's what I love about the political beatdown. You know, sometimes our producer Salty asks, hey, you know, do we have the graphic for that or do we've got the video for it? And I joke, I say, Salty, we are the graphic. We are the video. <laughs> Cohen's breaking the news right here. And when you had your last meeting before the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, you, um, talk to us about the fact that you left it. You believed you would go before Uh, the grand jury in the next 30 days when we had our uh, Tuesday political beatdown. And now you're letting us know that next week you're going to be going to this one final prep session and then you expect to go before the grand jury. That's big news that we are breaking right here again on the political (laughs) beatdown. And so when I ask Cohen, Cohen, any news on your end at the beginning of the show? It's why you all need to Uh, be here early for the live. And I want to get your next reaction to the breaking news, Cohen, about Um, this uh, federal case that, of course, we've been talking about on the Midas Touch Network, the lawsuit filed by Peter Strzok and Lisa Page in the uh, D.C. District Court uh, based on Strzok's firing in 2018 um, after Trump harassed and threatened him and continues to do so publicly. And Trump says that he trusts Vladimir Putin more than Strzok in a recent speech. Um, And Amy Berman Jackson, uh, the federal judge presiding over it, has just ordered, Order Donald Trump's deposition. And what's interesting here is, you know, we saw how horrible Trump is uh, during depositions now, one where he pled the fifth 400 plus times in the New York Attorney General Letitia James uh, case. Then we saw, of course, where he actually did answer questions in E. Jean Carroll. He was just uh, her- horrific, like, like the worst possible witness for every single reason, you would almost um, think
1: that his lawyers didn't properly prepare him based upon the answers. But then again, how many times, Ben, have I turned around and told you that Donald Trump is actually dumb? He's so fucking dumb, he couldn't pass a urine test. And that's the problem. So when you have a guy who is historically a liar, who is now being recorded, in terms of every single word that comes out of his mouth, what do you think happens? He can't remember the lie that he told five minutes ago, or 15 minutes ago, or a half hour, an hour, or two hours, or what have you. And so he keeps this circular, ridiculous commentary going on, on and on and on. And we get to read it on paper, so that there is no um, confusion based upon what he's saying. I got to give Peter Struck. Um, a lot of credit, and I give the judge a lot of credit, because it's not easy to get Donald Trump to the table to be deposed. I can tell you this from personal experience. I have a lawsuit pending against Trump and the Trump organization. He was supposed to testify. He, Don Jr., Alan Weisselberg, and none of them. They've all evaded the dates that they were supposed to, and ultimately what happened is they had made a motion to dismiss the case based upon Um, the fact that the judge made a determination that the case that I had brought against them for the legal fees was not done for the benefit of Donald Trump, but rather, uh, not done for the benefit of the Trump organization, but rather for Donald. And therefore, um, I shouldn't be able to, um, continue with the lawsuit that of course was overturned. And now we're looking for the depositions of Donald Don Jr. and Alan Weisselberg, but their lawyer and- This is one of the few times I think that their lawyers, even though it's going to sound crazy, did the smart thing. He turned around and he told the judge that if they lose the motion, that they do not want to continue with depositions. They just want to go straight to trial based upon the damages in that way that Donald, Don Jr. and Allen will never have to testify. um, Because again, they lie during uh, during the deposition, so that's somewhat of a problem. But then again, he's such a terrible witness that nothing that comes out of his mouth could be beneficial, not just hurt him in the case that I have pending against him, but in other cases as well.
0: We talked on the last uh, episode of our podcast about the subpoena you were served with by Donald Trump. By the way, I think one of your arguments for getting Donald Trump's deposition, um, this is my, I'm just giving legal advice right now. Uh, One of the the ways that you can get his deposition more easily is to say, look, he deposed me, so he's deposing me, I'm deposing him. But have you given any more thought to the idea that we floated on the last episode about calling Alina Hobb, I'm happy to call her, um, or, or your other lawyer can call. I won't be offended. Um, and saying to Alina Habaluk, Cohen will do it, but we are broadcasting it live on the political beatdown. We want the camera feed to be streamed publicly everywhere. Have you given that more thought? Um, and do you think that uh, you think that's going to happen?
1: Yeah. So I can't <laughs> do this date no matter what because I have a conflict that's more important in my life than sitting for Donald Trump's deposition. But let me be very clear that, again, uh, I will probably move to quash the subpoena uh, in the fact that it does not comport with a whole slew of issues that um, right now is confronting uh, Donald uh, in this specific case. So uh, I will probably, I'm still waiting for, you know. I'm taking it under advisement from counsel, and I'm still waiting.
0: Okay, you can take it under advisement from counsel instead of your podcast co-host. It's okay. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see that being a, 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 a more s- savvy move than listening to me here. But you know, we'll we'll put an asterisk there, and and, and we'll talk off the record a, a, about that more. Um, let's talk though also about. Special Counsel Jack Smith's most recent move um, subpoenaing Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. Look, we've we've seen some of their testimony in the clips during the public January 6th committee hearings. You can actually read their full def- depositions that the January 6th committee um, uh, took um, if you want to read the full version of that. But I think Jack Smith is not just focused on the areas that the January 6th committee was. He seems a lot more focused on on the financial crimes as well that that Trump has committed relating to the insurrection, the campaign finance violations. One of the things that Trump did, it's not really getting a lot of attention, but he created this pass-through entity um, that's basically run by all of his people And this is the first time the entity was created. It takes no outside uh, political action committee or committee money in general from any other source other than Trump's committees. And about $769 million went to this um, kind of straw man or straw person uh, entity. And the reason that they do that is kind of classic money laundering in the sense that once it goes to that entity that has some, you know, just basic name that that that, that just kind of blends in, you don't know then because you don't have to report where the money goes from that entity to all of these other sources. So the way you kind of hide it's by putting it in this entity. And one area that we know that uh, Jack Smith's focused on is there. I wonder if Jack Smith's also going to focus on Kushner's you know relationship here with the Saudis and um, and and the family's relationship with various uh, foreign entities. Remember, uh, Kushner flew back on January 6th from his meetings in the Middle East. Shortly thereafter, after Trump was ejected from the White House after losing by 7 million votes, Kushner and the uh, Saudi Sovereign Fund announced a $2 billion bribe, essentially is what it was to Kushner. You know, Kushner previously turned over classified lists to the Saudis of like enemies of the Saudi government and uh, a bunch of whole other horrific things. But I wonder if Jack Smith goes there because that also relates to the case involving Trump's theft of government records regarding why did Trump steal certain documents, perhaps related to foreign countries to use for transactional purposes. So what do you make of this subpoena
1: generally, Cohen? So it's the way I see it, is we have to start with what Jack Smith's, um, what his rights actually are. I don't believe that he has broad um, subpoena power over any specific issue that comes up. I think that he was brought on for a specific issue by Merrick Garland and sort of has to stay in that lane of traffic. So using that as my thought, we. Really, do have to dissect what is it about Ivanka and Jared that sort of play into what the scope and purpose of Jack Smith being brought on as special counsel are. The way I was reading it, I mean, to me, it almost looks like he may even be looking sort of towards a RICO type of a statute uh, where Donald had used so many people in the commission of the illegality that this could be one of the things that he's looking at. On top of that, Jared and Ivanka were senior advisors. They were there for a slew of things, not just the January 6th committee, but also the movement of these documents from the White House to the uh, Mar-a-Lago storage facility, as well as other things, again, that fall within his scope and purview. So specifically what it is, obviously neither of us have that requisite knowledge to talk further, but I can tell you it's not a good thing for either Jared or Ivanka. And again, if you look as Ben was saying at the testimony that they both gave, one of the problems for them is that they think they're going to be able to escape this subpoena based upon executive privilege. And the mistake that's constantly being made, whether it's on television or by reporters, is the fact that Donald Trump does not have the executive privilege. He is not the president, except to this MAGA group of people and to most of his Mar-a-Lago members. He is not the president. So therefore, he does not possess the executive privilege within which to turn around and tell them not to. That would be Joe Biden's decision as he is the president of the United States. And so, what ends up happening? Could they end up holding them in contempt to the same extent that they held and they are holding Steve Bannon accountable? I believe the answer is yes. Now, again, both of them will be prepared enough in order to give these sort of answer non answers, very similar to the way that Ivanka and Jared's answers were given during the January 6th hearings in order to protect themselves from perjury, what's called the 1001 violation. So all I can do is like so many of you, keep our fingers crossed and ensure that they do end up, you know, um, responding to the subpoena, appearing for the subpoena and providing honest and truthful testimony because it certainly will help uh, in terms of the transparency Uh, issue of what was going on during all of these activities. Before we go on to the next topic, Cohen,
0: I I like to intersperse a, a, a little bit of fun on the show as we go through some of these Um, sometimes very, very heavy matters and and dissect them. Cohen, what what do you like to do for fun? I'm just curious. Like when you're not not at the Manhattan District Attorney's office, when you're not seeking justice, what does Michael Cohen like to do for fun? I'm just interested.
1: You know, one of the problems that this scenario has caused for me is obviously, you know, I lost my law license. I will ultimately get it back. Uh, On top of that, I had lost my business. Um, I still am somewhat busy with Crisis X. That's the crisis management company. Obviously, Mayor Culpa takes up quite a bit of time. Uh, This podcast, now Political Beatdown, taking up some time. I like to take walks, um, you know, through Central Park, uh, here in the upper East side of Manhattan, I just like to go outside uh spend time with you know friends with uh, my son, my daughter, you know my wife uh, but you know this this has really changed my entire life uh you know obviously, as I had said once before, dealing with some health issues, and so you know i unfortunately spend just way too much time I used to make fun of my parents you know when it came to this sort of stuff you know when your parents are like, oh what are you doing today? oh I'm going to see this doctor or that doctor well I feel like I'm becoming my parents and I never thought that that day was gonna happen so just dealing with a lot of issues but for fun I just truly enjoy Central Park. I really enjoy walking through the park uh, and just uh, listening to music as I you know as I walk and I get my steps in
0: you have a favorite band or a favorite uh, song recently?
1: No, I kind of like the top. You know, I, I like Flowers, like everybody else, uh, by Miley Cyrus. I like Ed Sheeran's entire collection of songs. I like to go back to some of the 80s and, you know, the 80 oldies uh, and the 90s. Uh, every now and then, you know, 70, I like, uh, you know, Earth, Wind and Fire. Yeah, you know, I, I like, obviously, Billy Joel. So it's sort of that medley of, you know, of music uh, that, you know, goes on the shuffle. I use the Amazon Music shuffle. So, you know, you put in, for example, Ed Sheeran, and it'll give you all sorts of uh, music that's on par and similar.
0: You know, the feedback I get about political beatdown, Cohen, is less of you Ben more of Michael and we want to, and we want to know more we we like when Michael opens up and there was a moment on the last show where or or it could have been two shows ago where you opened up very candidly just about what it's like as you prepare for going into the Manhattan District Attorney's office. Of course, you can't tell us specifically what you say, but just even your preparation. What it was like when you spoke um, before Congress and your preparation there, and members of Congress coming up to you and you know and 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 saying, "Look, what you're doing is so important." and um, And and all of that gives this inside look. I'm going to go hit the other topics now, of course, but I really like this aspect of the show too, where people get get to really know what a great person you are and someone who over these past years has become a very, very close and dear friend to me, where you and I were just like, look, let's share these conversations that we have. At night or during the day, you know, with the public. And that became political beatdown. But I You know, I, Ben, I, I... let me
1: be let me be clear to you know to our um you know political beatdown brigade. Uh none of this is fun. Uh this isn't financially beneficial. Um what it is is it's the protection of democracy. And you know, there are of course the folks that the trolls that join to watch what we're doing so that they could throw in and make them extremely happy to sit there and to say you know things that are denigrating towards me and i want to be very clear that uh, i don't really care what they have to say i know the purpose you know there's an expression right that god puts on the shoulder of man what man can uh and when i say man i'm talking about man woman just as human beings uh can uh you know, can handle. And so many times when I was uh, at Otisville, there was actually a priest, there was a pastor that used to say this to me. We used to sit and have these lengthy, lengthy conversations. Um, And I, to be very honest with you, I used to say the same thing that I'm going to say to you all right now. I wish it was on the shoulders of someone else. This is not something that I go to sleep and say, yeah, this is great. I have a hard time sleeping anyway, because my brain never shuts off. There's always something going on, and it's whether it's the podcast, whether it's a potential next book, whether it's having to go back to the DA, whether it's to have to find documents where those documents could be, the preparation, the potential for going before a grand jury. And if I go before a grand jury, there's no doubt that they'll end up being the key witness in that case, a case of first precedent, considering we've never had a president or former president ever ever indicted. But this is all about democracy. This is all about the future of America. This is all about standing up um, truth to power and ensuring that that adage is something the Democrats constantly say, and I say it as well, that no man is above the law. If we're going to allow Donald and his acolytes and his sycophants to get away with this, what do you think ends up happening to our democracy? We lose more and more of our constitutional rights uh, through time, and look. One thing I say all the time is that democracy is an experiment. It is not a right. It is not ingrained in the constitution. It is something that we all have to fight for every single day. And I'm going to go on to my fight for speech again, which is why this brigade is the single most important thing that it's why, you know, I enjoy doing this as much as I do to build the brigade so that our voices must be heard, our voices must be acknowledged and adhered to, because we stand for truth, we stand for right. And to these individuals, you know, who want to comment and say things, well, what you know, Michael Cohen is now a truth teller, what was he doing before when he was working for Donald Trump? I need to be clear about this. The Donald Trump that I worked for was a real estate development company. What was I doing? I was the co-president of Trump Productions dealing with stupid shit like The Apprentice, all right? And as well as some reality shows. Um we were building buildings around, you know, the country and looking for opportunities around the world. Nothing that Donald Trump did. Yeah, we fucked over pro- uh, you know contractors and so on. So what? How does that affect you or your life? It doesn't. But when it starts to affect America and American democracy and our children, our God-willing one-day grandchildren and great-grandchildren, that's when we have to start to say enough is enough. And that's why it was my decision when I said to George Stephanopoulos on ABC that, you know, my wife, my daughter, my son, and my country have my first... A, you know priority they have my first loyalty and that they always will and that happens to be the truth and i will continue to speak truth to power regardless of how painful it is and it's not just painful to me it breaks my heart it rips my soul to pieces when i see how my family suffers as a direct result of all of this this is not easy all right and i don't want people to think for a second that there's enjoyment In watching or being a part of any of this. It is not. I feel it is my duty and I am willing to sacrifice myself. I don't want to sacrifice my family. But I'm sac- you know, we sacrifice so much of our own lives in order to ensure that justice will ultimately prevail. And here's my promise to you, the brigade: justice will prevail. That's a promise.
0: Because the truth will prevail and being someone who is a truth teller against all the death threats, against all the disinformation out there is one of the most important things as large media networks have let us all down. It's time that we got to reinvent what the media should be, what, what, what it once was. And that brings me to the next topic, which is train derailments. I want to give everybody some stats, though, because as the MAGA Republican disinformation echo chamber has gone into overdrive to attack Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg and President Biden about the train derailment that took place in East Palestine, I want to look at some of the facts here regarding Trump and Trump's Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao's time in office. So when people start saying things to all of you brigaders listening to this and watching this, I want you to be armed with the facts. During the Trump administration, there were 5,103 train derailments in the United States. Neither Trump nor Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao went to a single one of these derailments, 5,103. During the Trump administration, there were 44,360 train accidents, with many resulting in fatalities. Again, neither Trump nor Transportation Secretary Elaine Chow went to a single one of these or talked with any of these victims. During the Trump administration, there were 58,920 transportation-related hazardous, hazardous waste leaks and spills resulting in 26 deaths and dozens of additional injuries. Again, neither Trump nor Elaine Chao went to a single one of these accident after either, either, nor does it appear that FEMA was called in for any of these disasters. Now, I want you to compare that to the effort of President Biden, who immediately, immediately reached out to the governor, of Ohio, Governor DeWine, a Republican governor in a state of Ohio that is controlled by a Republican Senate, a Republican House. It's a Republican county. It has a Republican, the company, the train company is a Republican CEO. Um, And by the way, Donald Trump took efforts to undo critical Obama-era regulations that would have mandated certain braking features on trains carrying toxic substances. It's the arsonist in Trump going to visit the fire that they created. They've also destroyed the fire department and chucking, and I kid you not, here's the number, about a dozen pallets of water. Does everybody know how much water is in a pallet 2,880 bottles of water are in a pallet. Um, And does anybody know how much a pallet costs? A pallet of water is about 500 bucks. There it is. I I looked it up before the show. About 500 bucks. So Donald Trump, grifting off of people, gave about $5,500 worth of water. Maybe everybody in the town gets two bottles of water. By the way, he said it was Trump water and then spread the disinformation that it is Biden and Buttigieg who didn't want to help. But look, here's the clip of Ohio Governor Mike DeWine talking as soon after the train derailment in East Palestine that Biden reached out right
2: away. Play the clip. Look, the president called me and said, anything you need, uh, I have not called him back uh, after that after that conversation. We, I will not hesitate to do that if, we, if we're seeing a problem or, or anything, but I'm not seeing it. There you have
0: it. I've I'm, <laughs> I'm not called them back. I'm not seeing it. Here's what I want to talk about also. Here's a Trump tweet from August 3rd, 2017, where he says, I'm continuing to get rid of costly and unnecessary regulations, much work left to do, but effect will be great. Business and jobs will grow. And then Fortune Magazine reported on September 24th of 2018, Trump rolls back train breaking rule meant to keep oil tankers from exploding near communities. And there's a video for all of this. So here's the the things I just referenced, the headline in Trump's post, but there's videos for all of this. So here's a video of Trump's ribbon cutting where he celebrated undoing the Obama era regulations that would have stopped the train derailment in East Palestine. Play this clip.
2: When Americans are free to thrive, innovate and prosper, there is no challenge too great, no task too large and no goal beyond our reach. We are a nation of explorers and pioneers and innovators and inventors And regulations have been hurting that and hurting it badly. We are a nation of people who work hard, dream big, and who never, ever give up. We are Americans, and the future belongs to us. So together, let's cut the red tape. Let's set free our dreams, and yes, let's make America great again, and one of the ways we're going to do that is by getting rid of a lot of unnecessary regulation. Thank you very much. Thank you. Come on over here, Chris. Come on over here, What do we all gather around? Come on. You're all such a big part of this. Come on, I think we can all make it. So, this is what we have now. This is where we were in 1960. And when we're finished, which won't be in too long a period of time, we will be less than where we were in 1960, and we will have a great regulatory climate. Okay? Come on up here, Chris. Come on. You worked so hard on this. Elaine, are you okay? Come on. You okay? Yeah, fine. <laughs> she has a lot to do with it. She has things called roads. It's a big and bridges, right? Yes. yes. Okay. One, two, three. Thank you. Okay. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe this should go to Chris, right?
1: One, two, three. Well, at least cognitively, he's there, right? (laughs) I mean, you know, man, woman, child, camera, TV. I mean, one, two, three. At least he still knows his numbers. I mean, I like to see Donald sing the ABC song. The guy is so fucking stupid. It's scary. He doesn't understand the necessity of regulation because he also is a guy who doesn't believe in science and he doesn't believe in climate change. And again, I don't want people to think that, you know, anytime that Donald says something that I'm going to find a reason within which to bash him. I am using his own words. These are things that he said. He does not believe in science. He does not believe in uh, climate change. Well, really, look at what we're experiencing day in and day out. Oh, my God, this stupid ass cut a ribbon showing what? A whole slew of documents and then showing it compared to 1960 regulation? That's because our technology and because our humanity has improved so much over the years that we need regulation to stop big business, to stop companies from destroying our environment, from destroying our water, from destroying our air that we breathe. It's so stupid. It's the same thing here to roll back on brakes. I mean, this thing is, oh, Elaine, yeah, she knows a lot about roads. What the hell is he talking about? That's the whole thing. And nobody called him out. They sit there and they just scratch their head in wonder saying, What is this orange crusted Mandarin Mussolini even talking about? And the answer is nobody knows. Because it doesn't say anything. It's just a series of words with no with no end to it. It's just it's a roll-on and a roll-on and a roll-on and nothing nothing comes out of it. It's just nonsense. Donald knows how to tear things apart. He has no idea how to build something or how to do something. Compare that to what we see with Joe Biden today. In his 24-plus months, Joe Biden has passed 23 meaningful acts, mostly a bipartisan, hard to believe, from infrastructure to the reduction of medical expenses, including um, pharmaceuticals, and so on, or the extrication of people from that, uh, from United States military, from Afghanistan, from God, from the infrastructure bill. I mean, for God's sakes, these are things that will improve the lives of Americans. Name one thing that Donald did that improved the lives of anyone other than his Mar-a-Lago members and to his close friends. The answer is to no one. So look, folks, this is really out of control. And I'll tell you something. I am speaking with um Malcolm Nance about this the other day. One of the things that I'm a little disappointed about is the speed to which things are happening in East Palestine, Ohio. If I was in charge, let me be very clear what I would do right now. Not send Pete Buttigieg down a week or so after with a hard hat asking questions. There's no question that needs to be asked. There is a fucking train that derailed carrying hazardous material. Period. End of story. So here's what we do. Right off the bat, I would have a... 50 or 100 super trailers onto it. Pick up the fucking trains that are all burnt out. Some may be still smoldering. Put them on top of these, um, these, what do you call it? These, um, these, machines, these carts, and ship them off to a facility, a butler building that we built to store it so that it could be evaluated down in the future. And then what you do is you start to rip into the ground, take all of the rails down and start checking the samples of the dirt. More importantly, if you want to make the people of East Palestine comfortable, especially those that are closer to the accident site, the first thing you do is you bring down scientists. We used to do this in Otisville. When I was at the FCI, Federal Correctional Institute of Otisville, I would accumulate from three different areas, water, um, and they would be tested every day in order to see what the pH is, the sulfur, and so on. Do the same test to ensure and show the people Do it in front of them, each and every one of you. Bring me water from your sinks. Bring me waters from your bathtubs. Bring me water from wherever the hell you want, and let's test it to see what's going on with the water. I mean, we have the capability to do that. That's the first thing I would have sent down. Then again, grab these trailers, take these trains, pick them up. Don't leave them there sitting there so that everybody every day for a week can drive past it and be reminded it's time to act. There's no time to sit there and to pontificate about it. There's nothing to pontificate about. Get the shit off the ground, rip up the tracks, test the water, all right, and make people feel comfortable that the ground is not polluted with these with these um, contaminants. It's plain and simple. That's what they need to do. And, and the whole thing would cost, you know, what, 10, 20, 30 million dollars? The, and then, by the way, Bill that shit to the to the rail company. They're responsible for it. Send them the goddamn bill. I mean, that's how simple that it is. Instead, everybody wants to sit there and, you know, throw out their ideas. Well, we should maybe talk about doing this and that bullshit. It's a natural. It's a catastrophe, disaster, time to move on it and make the people of East Palestine comfortable because they deserve that.
0: So I obviously agree with the point that you're trying to make, but let me give you uh, a thought. And that is that Biden wanted to do all of those things and Biden tried to do all of those things. And in our system of federalism, everything that you just described inherently relies on a decision of states as well and the leadership of the governor. And it is a perplexing and disastrous state of the state where you have a governor like DeWine who is supposed to be the person with the boots on the ground coordinating action by the federal government. But the federal government's response to disasters under our federalism system given states' rights, as well as the rights of the federal government, is such that if the state government says it's not an emergency, stay out, the federal government in a situation like that would generally not say, well, we are taking over your state. That's just the practical reality. I do have a criticism, though, of the Biden administration here, which is to your point, Cohen, as well, when you said No one is actually calling out Trump and all of the disinformation. It took you and me, Cohen, approximately, what, three minutes and 30 seconds to give the facts. So it's not hard to give the facts appropriately and to call out the disinformation. But what Biden has to realize now is that the climate here and the media is very much akin to Russian propaganda and it is not a media that is doing its job and you do not have two good faith political parties you got a pro democracy party and the democrats and you've got a party that wants fascism and that wants the Trump that the, the Donald Trump cult so what you have to do as i gave you the other stat In the Trump administration, there was 5,103 train derailments with 22 fatalities, and he showed up to none of them. The media doesn't hold that accountable. Democrats didn't call that out at that time, and, and perhaps they should have. But what Biden needs to do is exactly what Ukraine did with Putin before the invasion and during the early stages of the invasion. To your point also about Trump, he's an idiot. That's the saving grace here. A lot of these MAGA Republicans are idiots. They're not playing chess. They're playing checkers, fascist checkers. But what you have to do now as people upholding and fighting for our democracy, you have to predict the move that they are going to take the plan that is the craziest plan inherently designed to set you up. So you have to just be like, look, here's what they're going to do. Even if the steps that we would take is seem unreasonable and irrational, you have to go and you have to say, here is what Vladimir Putin is about to do before he does it. And a judge and the communications arm of what's taking place and the action, they have to go out and say, Look, we've offered DeWine, you know, hold the press conference. We've offered DeWine everything, all of the things that Michael Cohen said, we've offered. We are a bit perplexed that they are not accepting it. We stand ready and we are deeply disappointed in that. You have to do that today to get ahead of it because of these bad faith actors. And speaking about these bad faith actors, one of the purveyors of all of the disinformation plan is Steve Bannon. We
1: talked about- You know on what ben, ben, if I can, before we get on to Steve Bannon, because that's a, a couple of minutes here. You know, one of the things that Biden can do is he could always invoke interstate commerce and that he can make it into a federal issue. On top of that, the second that there was allegations that these toxins were leaking into the waterways or polluting the grounds and so on, it becomes an environmental protection. And you know what? At the end of the day, yes, I totally agree with you that most mayors, governors do not want the federal government coming in and handling issues. But if... We can make this into a federal issue, which I believe that we can based upon it happened on the rails, which are, um, you know, controlled by the Department of Transportation. It is a federal issue. And I think that based upon interstate commerce rules, there is Always a way. See, this is what Donald did. Why this 28% of the Republican Party, these maggots, why they love him so much, because he didn't give a shit. If he was the president he thought that there was a way for this disaster to benefit him, he would be out there right now doing something. He's not talking to a governor. Fuck him. I could care less. He's not going to speak to a mayor. Mayor? Mayor who? Mayor, go scratch your ass. I'm sending in the, you know, the, the feds and we're going to handle this. And so on. now, unfortunately, right, Donald's not smart enough in order to handle anything. But if you take some concept like that, whereby it is a federal issue, regardless of whatever the mayor or the governor, you know, want to say about it, because they're they're playing politics with the lives the daily lives of these residents of East Palestine—that's unacceptable. And as far as I'm concerned, I hope that every single resident of East Palestine remembers today, remember yesterday, and the week before. Remember the response by Joe Biden. Remember what his what. Remember what guys like Dewine, uh, you know, are doing, which are interfering with their community getting back on its feet. Shame on, shame on them! And remember that when they go to the polls. Now I apologize, and let's go back to one of my favorite topics of all time: the lunatic himself, Steve Bannon.
0: So you know Robert Costello, right? I mean, we, we unfortunately about that. I do. And so, about two weeks or so ago, obviously Costello or his law firm had leaked. To the press that bannon wasn't paying his bills. And they and, and the strategy there, Cohen, just for everybody, is like they were telling Bannon, look, we're gonna sue you. This is a move that they believed would embarrass Bannon into paying to avoid the lawsuit. But you know, these the the these these maggots as you call they, they also don't pay their bills. And so Costello has to know when he's representing someone like a Bannon good luck collecting. And you and I talked about one of the lawyers for Trump who was like, look, you got to just, just just, write me the $3 million check up front. That lawyer also happens to be a foreign agent for the government of uh, Venezuela. And that was the lawyer who said, give me the $3 million up front. And here, this lawyer didn't get the money up front. They, The lawyer worked with Bannon on the pardon that Donald Trump gave. I don't even know if you have to really work for that at that point. I mean, it was just asking it. And after assisting and aiding and abetting the insurrection, Donald Trump wanted to make sure that he could cover for all of the fascists in his uh, inner orbit. Um, but this lawyer did a lot of work on that case, on the uh, obstruction of, of the Congress, uh, not showing up to the testimony of Congress, uh, where Bannon was convicted on uh, two counts there. Um, about $855,000 in legal fees. Um, and the firm wasn't paid about half a million dollars of that. And they filed the lawsuit against Bannon today. And, you know, I mean, you know, when you go down the, this is, it's not a rabbit hole. Um, when, when you just, you don't have to go down that far. When you just simply, you don't do think little, Bannon
1: could fit down the rabbit hole, do you? I don't. <laughs> I mean, that'd be one big ass rabbit hole. You know, when you, you look know, into you know, it, though, ben,
0: Bannon's being funded, though, by a Chinese billionaire who Bannon told the plot that, regardless of what the results of the 2020 election would be, that they would uh, that here was the plan that Donald Trump was going to contest. it. he told that to a billionaire from China who funds all of the disinformation operations of Bannon. like You can't make this stuff up. In fact, when Bannon was arrested the first time for the We Build the Wall scam where he grifted and stole hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars from people on GoFundMe to the wall that they lied and said Mexico was going to build. he was arrested on the Chinese billionaire's yacht like off the coast of Connecticut. Um, what, what do you make of this, uh, Cohen?
1: So look, let me be very clear. Bannon, very similar to Donald, they have one ideology. They have a f- one philosophy, which is once that money hits my pocket, it's mine. Regardless of what the reason that they've collected the money, for example, Steve Bannon, build the wall, uh, go fund me. The second that hit the account, he declared it his own. And they're not giving that up. So legal fees to guys like Bob Costello, who's not worth two cents, in my opinion, anyway, he's not going to pay him a dime. The fact is they also believe that they are above having to pay legal fees. It is an honor and a privilege to work for them free of charge. And that's You know, that's part of like, for example, the lawsuit that I have against Donald, whereby he had me, you know, doing things on his behalf and never ended up paying for it, which of course I had to pay for. And so, you know, now I'm going to get my money back. There's no doubt in my mind um, and expose, well, look, what can I do? Expose Donald for being, you know, a cheapskate, for being a, you know, a grifter. Everybody already knows that Steve Bannon is identical to Donald when it comes to this. And so, if anybody thinks, especially Costello, thought for a second that he was going to get paid, he's as stupid as his former boss Rudy Giuliani, drunken Giuliani, who thought that he was going to get Donald to pay him like $150,000 a day because they were raising so much money from uh, you know, from these unsuspecting Maggots, these um, MAGA fools that just keep sending their money in. Rudy actually wanted his pay; he wanted his piece, like the mob. He wanted his taste, and Donald basically gave him not one, not two. Donald grew two extra limbs so he could give him four f-u fingers and say, "You're not getting a damn dollar from this money. You didn't, you know. Even if you accomplished what you were tasked to do." I'm still not giving you a dollar because I want the money in my pocket and it's better in my pocket than in yours.
0: I I can't top that, Cohen. So I'm moving on to the next topic. <laughs> you
1: know?
0: I, I, I completely Listen, if agree. The, if,
1: the tru- if the truth hurts, sorry, but it's facts. Facts, facts,
0: facts. All right, Fulton County, the grand jury person who basically serves as the leader in essence of the special grand jury. We know that portions of the report were released last week. We talked about it here on the uh, political beatdown. My overall thought though, just so everybody knows the process, the special grand jury does not make indictments. They make recommendations. There's a separate grand jury that is or will be impaneled very shortly that's going to make the ultimate charging decision, um, and, and the report is going to be presented there. So Ultimately, to me, the process of a special grand jury and a grand jury from a legal perspective, does it now give Trump and other individuals who uh, may be criminally indicted, does it give them an argument that they shouldn't have been given, that this four persons out there speaking to the media? Yes. It gives them an argument. Do I feel that legally, Um, that argument is going to prevail? No. And, And Donald Trump's out there talking publicly about all of these things also. So in terms of any prejudice that's being created from publicity, when Donald Trump calls out the Fulton County District Attorney and says these heinous and horrific things about her and threatens people's lives in Georgia, If there's prejudice being created, it's from Donald Trump, not from the uh, Fulton County uh, process. But I do want to say this. For all of the people out there, though, who have been very critical of Merrick Garland for not moving fast enough, and many times I, I I'm with you and I I agree there or special counsel Jack Smith not moving quick enough or even Alvin Bragg what are you doing not moving quick enough one of the most important things here you know from my legal perspective is moving very very carefully and I think if I have a critique of what's gone in Fulton County Georgia it was a failure to coordinate between when the special grand jury ended, when the new grand jury would begin and knowing that the report would ultimately be public in some shape or form and making sure you time it so the indictments happen shortly after the special grand jury reports released and that timing needed to certainly be tighter than it was because the reality is is that it's hard to expect a special grand jury comprised of 26 individuals, three alternates after more than a month of being relieved to not be baited. And you may recall those who watched the political beatdown, Cohen and I talked very specifically about the psychological tactic that Donald Trump was utilizing when he posted total exoneration, total exoneration. And what we said is, he was trying to bait somebody in the special grand jury to speak publicly so he could whine and play the victim card and then say, oh, my due process rights have been violated. And for Fawny Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney, my criticism is you got to time that better. Special grand jury ends. The grand jury almost runs parallel. Indictments happen. You got to figure out on your calendar how to make that work. I mean, look, to me, the four person um, did no favors. Um, and perhaps that's an understatement, but I'm not here. The sky is falling down. This is gonna stop uh, prosecution from taking place. Um, But to me, it also reflects, though, the diligent work that you've never heard a thing about what's going on usually. Um, you You haven't even heard special counsel Jack Smith talk. And, you know, th- 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 there's that point I wanted to point out, Cohen, as someone yeah. who's involved in these high profile situations, including one right now, you have to walk that fine line and you're a pro, so you know how to walk it. So, but- let, me,
1: so let me say this. Um, first of all, I don't see it as being damaging to uh, the case should Fannie Willis end up filing an indictment, it would make no difference. Donald Trump's legal team will find any argument that they can or make one up in order to try to have the case dismissed, or as you said, to exonerate him completely. I don't believe he meant the word exonerate. I think he said when he was completely exonerated. I think in exonerate, you have to put, you know, constipated because he's completely constipated, not just you know, in his bowels, but in his brain, nothing seems to be working right with this guy. And at the end of the day, the case should only be brought if in fact the prosecutor has the legal, has the legal justification to do so. And you have the evidence within which to prove it. If not, they should just walk away from it. Now, do I think that they have it? sure they have it. Do I think it's gonna be an easy case? No, I don't. I think the District Attorney of New York's case is a whole lot easier, but there is a notion and I am 100% against it. And I say it to many, many people, including people who I represent um, when I, in my Crisis X practice, when they have a legal issue. Well, the first thing that lawyers will tell their clients is say nothing. Judges don't like if you say anything, you know, don't talk to the media, don't talk. Bullshit. Because what happens there is that only one side, and it's never to your benefit, only one side is ever heard. As far as I'm concerned, the woman wanted to turn around and she wanted to make a statement, Good. you know why I say it's good? Because you, Ben, because I, because the brigade, because everybody, we're entitled to transparency. We're entitled to know what's going on inside the grand jury. As far as I'm concerned, I think that all grand juries should actually be televised, all right, especially ones that involve the former president of the United States, a guy a guy who is a racist, sexist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, anti-Semite who wants to destroy democracy and to create an autocracy out of our country. How could this not be televised? It, and if it was, you wouldn't have to worry about what she says because we'd already have watched it, very much like we watched the hearings. The problem is that there is not, there is no real transparency. And everybody who calls for transparency, they say, well, you know, it's our process and our method. Screw that. The same bullshit is going on with FOIA. You cannot get a document out of FOIA because they constantly fight you on it. And I'm going through this right now with FOIA. They keep turning around and telling you, oh, well, it interferes with our process and method in accumulating information. Really? I'm not asking for the name of the detective or the name of the informant or anything like that. I just want to see what that person said. I want to be able to use that information the same way that we're using information in this drip, drip, drip by like my complaint, my bar complaint against Jeffrey Berman, the former head of the Southern District of New York that was colluding with Maine Justice in order to go after me for what? because Bill Barr and Donald Trump told them to do it. This is not transparency. If we are going to be a country of laws and justice, then we need transparency. Otherwise, what we are is we're a country of laws with no justice. And as far as whatever I can do, and as far as I can go, and as much as I can tell, not just the brigade, but the entire country about what's going on at the DA's case, or the AG's case, if I get called to testify, I am going to be out there. I am not prohibited, and neither was this four person. The fact that they don't like it, you know, as we like to say here in New York, tough shit.
0: Couldn't agree more with you, Cohen. And it seems like the message now that's coming out from the MAGA camp, though, is Trump can't win in America. So basically, let's make a new country, right? That's basically the- Why? Why a Republican new country? State.
1: Let's not just try it in Saudi Arabia. And we'll mm-hmm. ask Mohammed bin Salman and his royal relatives to be the judge in the jury. I mean, that's what they basically want. They want to destroy this um, democracy, make it into an autocracy that even though that Trump knows he can't win and he knows he can't win because what he's done is illegal and there's Thousands and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of documents proving it. He doesn't care about that. He wants what's good for him and only him. I'm sorry, Ben, you were saying.
0: To close out the show, though, (laughs) I want you to react. And I think we have this clip of Marjorie Taylor Greene calling for uh, secession now being platformed on Fox. Like, I think when the Fox text messages and emails, were released in terms of the same depths of depravity, there are no depths to the depravity of the MAGA Republican Party. At this point too, and, and it was before, but at this point, like there's no even pretending anymore, right? From from Fox or the MAGA Republicans. It's just like fascism, we want it, secession. I want to show you this clip from Marjorie Taylor Green. And then I want you to close out the show by reacting. All right, play this
2: clip. And do you expect it'll happen? Last question.
0: Well, I think it's something that we should work towards because, you know, it's kind of the vision that our founding fathers had for America. And I think it's a great one. It worked in the beginning. We just got it completely out of control. So I hope we can get there.
2: All right. Marjorie Taylor Greene, thanks for explaining it all to us. We appreciate it. As always, when we come
0: back. Like the dumbest stuff ever. Cohen, what's your what's, You know, what's your I'm, I'm,
1: I'll tell you, the one I'm really more disappointed in is Sean Hannity. Again, I had a chance to get to know him for many, many years. And the fact that he was able to keep a straight face as this buffoon sat there talking about the secession of states and divorcing red and blue states, including This genius came up with an idea. You can't make this shit up. I mean, this is, this is not, this would be great if it was on South Park or a Family Guy episode or, you know, one of these, you know, cartoons. Marjorie Taylor Greene wanted that if you are a Democrat and you move into a Republican state, you're not permitted to vote for five years. I mean, talk about democracy. Yeah, that sounds like democracy to me. I don't know what country she thinks she's living in, this idiot. I mean, it's so infuriating, and I don't understand how she is still a member of Congress. The fact that she that, that she has an office in the people's house, that she wears a pin as a member of Congress. The fact that you and I will be paying for that idiot's health care and, and, um, and she's going to end up with a pension for the rest of her life simply because she won an election. She is a traitorous, ignorant buffoon. And the fact that we have to put up with this, this sort of stupidity and nonsense it, to me is just It's overwhelming and I don't understand it and something has to happen. And the something is she needs to be voted out of office, which is why once again, before I close the show, I'm telling you to our political beatdown brigade, it's so important, your sponsorship, your continuation to um, watch and to be a part of this show To And I'm going to let Ben just tell where to go ahead and to help to keep these type of shows you know, out there so that we could keep informing you of the truth that our voices cumulatively can be heard and that we can make a difference and that that difference has to ensure that people like the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Josh uh, Halsey's, the um, Paul Gosar's, these people have no place in our house and they need to be removed and removed immediately.
0: Look, with all the disinformation echo chambers out there, we need to combat it with the truth. That's why we created the Midas Touch Network, and that's why we created programming just like this, the political beatdown with Michael Cohen and myself. So here's what you got to do. If you can subscribe right now to this YouTube channel, if you have not already subscribed, come on, what are you doing? Hit subscribe. It's free to subscribe. Also, check out the audio of Political Beatdown, wherever you get your podcasts, just search it right after the show ends. You just search Political Beatdown, whether it's Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or ListenOn or, or, or any of the places you Google, wherever you listen to your uh, podcasts. Make sure you download it. Leave a five star review there. That helps as well. You should check out Michael Cohen's new book, Revenge. It is an incredible read. How the Donald Trump, how Donald Trump weaponized the United States Department of Justice against his critics. Check that out right now if you have not read it. Again, the book's called Revenge. You can check out store.midastouch.com for the best Midas Touch gear, including the official Maya call podcast shirt, the Mara Correctional Facility. When you see Cohen walking around Central Park, he's often wearing uh, that shirt. So check it out at store.mitistouch.com And you can also check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. We have a number of paid memberships there with exclusive content there, including meetups with me and the other co-founders of Midas Touch, where we meet you on a Zoom chat. We answer all of your questions. That helps fund this independent media platform, but no worries either way. Also want to make sure that you check out Michael Cohen's other podcast, Maya Culpa, produced by Audio Up and Midas Touch. It's one of the top podcasts out there. So make sure you hit subscribe right now as well. And one of the incredible things that we have on the Maya Culpa podcast is this Saturday, we've got the exclusive on Michael Cohen's one-on-one with Lev Harness that's going to be airing on our YouTube channel on Saturday morning. So make sure Saturday morning, bright and early, you check that out. You'll you'll see it then. It is a one on one with Lev Partners. We're getting the true details from the insiders or the former insiders about each other about what uh, transpired. It's a really, really incredible interview. So make sure you watch it here exclusively on the Midas Touch Network's YouTube channel, and make sure you subscribe on audio. That's it for now. Thanks for listening to this week's edition, the Thursday edition of Political Beatdown with Michael Cohen and Ben Micellis. We so appreciate all of you. None of this is possible without the brigade. Again, Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And we'll see you next time on the Political Beatdown. Shout out to the Midas Mighty.